You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Truth Report. I'm Barry Nussbaum, the founder of American Truth Project. We have a very, very special guest for you. My good friend, Dr. Gina Loudon. Gina and I have done many, many shows together, hundreds in fact, with me as her guest being interviewed, her as my guest interviewing her, and often sharing our political insights as two friends who just happen to have a camera pointed at them while we chat on the couch. Gina Loudon, PhD, is an author, an anchor, a columnist, a show host, and a frequent news commentator. You probably know her as the longtime host of America Trends on the U2 America TV network, and she's a very popular guest on a number of Fox News shows. She also works directly for President Trump. She studied design, communications, and psychology in college, and get this, she has two master's degrees and a PhD. Welcome, Gina. I am so happy to have you on as our guest today. Hey, B, it's so good to be on with you. I'm so excited for your show, so excited to be in Israel. You've told me so much and made me so excited uh, to be here today, and especially to have uh, the amazing tour guides I do of your crew, your amazing daughter, and of course, your amazing uh, person here on the ground in Israel for your team. So it's an honor to be with you, and it's windy because it's supposed to storm tomorrow here in Israel. Well, you look great. What do you think of Israel so far? So. I love it so far because it, it, to me it's kind of the culmination of a lot of really precious things to me. One is, you know, that I found out that I had Jewish heritage through my father's line, but I think it, I call it Jewish-ish, it still kind of counts. And, uh, and so I've always wanted to come for that reason, but also being a devout Christian, um, I'm just delighted to be here. Well, I'm glad you're loving it. How did you end up in Israel all the way from Florida? So I spoke at Mar-a-Lago at an event for um, called Friends of Israel, and there, after my speech, the consul, the Miami-based uh, uh, American-Israeli consul, came to me and asked if I had ever been to Israel and if I were interested in coming. And so, of course, you know, my answer was absolutely yes. And so he connected me with what is a delegation of uh, women. And I will tell you, interestingly, oh, my nails, you don't want to miss those. Interestingly, um, <laughs> my, the delegation is um, a group of very feminist-oriented, um, not conservative women. Um, so I figure I have a lot of time to learn and be alone with God, kind of, and have this experience sort of to myself and to listen to them. I think it's good. I don't think we should be in an echo chamber all the time as conservatives. I think it's good to... Um, listen to them and to be sure that we still know what we're talking about, know why we believe what we believe. And so for me, um, I'm going to make the best of that and I'm going to bring my family back and, uh, and hopefully someday see the one and only Barry here. Okay, so uh, the nails are great. Props for that. And I would love to be your tour guide. Um, our family and your family will have a great time. All right. Inquiring minds want to know, what's it like to work for Donald J. Trump directly? So the president, um, to know him is to love him. And I know that a lot of people say that, so it maybe sounds trite, but 
I can't get over how sincere he is and how, how much he cares about other people. I'm super blessed in that I get to see the president when he's in his casual mode with his friends and his family, recovering from a week in the Beltway, recovering from the swamp, and kicking back with his friends and family. And he, he never, ever sees me at an event that he doesn't call me over. Sometimes even if he's not meeting with the head of state, invite me to sit down. Sometimes even if he is, he's very friendly. He's very impromptu, but you knew that already. And um, he's just a very gracious person. And then the first thing he does is ask a thousand questions about me. These are the kinds of things you don't see. You know, when he's not portrayed this way in the media, but it is absolutely the truth, I can guarantee you. He always asks about my family. He always asks if there's anything he can do for me. He always asks if I'm having a good time. Um, he always tells me, thank you for what you do for me, always. And always um, tells me which appearances he's seen or hasn't seen. Always asks what show I'm going on next. And if somebody's not having me on lately, one time in particular, I had a little kind of break from Sean Hannity because he was on all of the investigative stuff. And he's like, why aren't you on Sean's show? And I said, I don't know, Mr. President. You'd have to ask Sean. And he said, um, I'm going to call him. And sure enough, he did. And I was on the next week. So it really cracks me up. I think um, he's just he takes every relationship he has very, very personally. He's not what you see on TV. E even those even those news channels that are portraying him in a positive light. They're not portraying the, the side of him that just really wants to nurture and love people full of compassion, full of compassion, full of tolerance. Um, a lot of people don't know, for example, his club Mar-a-Lago. First of all, let me say this. Belonging to a club in South Florida is, is almost a prerequisite of living there. It's the only access you have to the beach, unless you happen to be a billionaire who lives on the beach. But there are very few of those houses because it's a very small area. Mar-a-Lago is the only club that was uh, permitting both Jews and blacks for a very long time, if it's not still true. And I, I'm having trouble verifying that to be 100% sure that it's still true today. But as within the, even the last couple of years, my understanding as a new Palm Beacher is that that is the case. How is that intolerant? How is that racist? You know, they paint a picture of him that is a complete lie. And it's an honor to stand for him every day. Okay, so the President of the United States is your personal press and booking agent. We're impressed, way impressed. Let's talk about policy, G. What do you think of President Trump's exiting of the JCPOA, as you and I must have talked about dozens of times on the air over the last several years? Uh, if elected, he would do it. Well, he's done it. And what do you think about him moving the United States Embassy um, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, as was promised by every American president since uh, Bill Clinton in 1995. Remember, the Congress passed the law that uh, the U.S. Embassy would be in Jerusalem, and there was a waiver for only national security issues. And uh, bizarrely, every single president, multiple times a year, took the waiver. Clinton did it. Bush did it. Obama did it every single time the law was going to be enforced. And now, Trump kept his promise and allowed it to go forward. What are your thoughts? I think that almost every decision the president has made would be one that if I could have had my way, I would have. I wake up every day and smile because he's still my president. Um, certainly, uh, the Iran nuclear deal, pulling out of that was a very rational decision. It was very one-sided. It wasn't accomplishing its goal, its stated goal anyway. Um, 
and um, and so it was it was a super smart thing, and I'm I'm thrilled to death with it. Um, um, as far as um, establishing uh, Jerusalem again with the embassy, that is, um, I think it's something that we've been promised, if I'm not mistaken, since Clinton, um, and every president I believe since Clinton has promised that they would do that, and none of them ever fulfilled their promise. And this is what this president is. He's here to get a job done. You know, on the way here, I decided to listen to Art of the Deal again, and I did it on Audible on the plane. And uh, it was amazing to hear how many of the same threads you know, ran through his thought back then even. He said, you know, he's about progress. He's about getting things done. He likes to get a checklist and then get things done. You look at what he's doing right now with North Korea, phenomenal. And the only thing I can think that I really took exception to that the president has done initially were the tariffs. But the moment that uh, I stopped to consider what I know of this president, what I've known of this president from the day he came down that escalator, that is that he always has a goal in mind. He's the Babe Ruth of presidents. He points and he figures out a way to get it exactly where he said it's going to land. So the minute the tariff thing happened, I know being a free marketer, that is not in his core. But I also knew that he had a purpose that was greater than some bickering over tariffs. And sure enough, it didn't even, what did it take, a week? It didn't even take any time. And the president accomplishes another goal. So y you can't be too proud of this president. We've never had someone like this. I'm sorry, he's better than Reagan. And I know that it's like, you know, I'm not supposed to say that, but he is better. And I've never seen somebody who is so committed to the American people. And I'm so thankful, Barry, because I think back to the days when you and I first met and you were doing my show and you said things like, like that he had no other motivation except to do a good thing. And it's so true. And now that I've gotten to know his family very well from, again, being in Palm Beach and Mar-a-Lago with them and gotten to know him, I can tell you he's not done. And if anyone's impatient, it's him, because I think I was, thought I was the most impatient person in the world, but I'm pretty sure he's more impatient. And uh, we're going to see more great things out of this president as he continues. You know, that reminds me of all those shows we were doing several years ago when everyone said not a chance Donald Trump was going to be president, let alone get through the primaries. And if you remember, yours truly, me, predicted he could win. And then I predicted he would when it was him versus Clinton. And uh, well, at least on that one, I was right. So I know he's got a lot of big things coming. I won't ask you to predict, but let's talk about on the ground politics now in Israel. Uh, you've got the constant potential invasion by Hamas operatives and their thousands of lackeys coming to the fence on the border with Israel every day launching firebombs, shooting guns, planting explosives, cutting the fence, proclaiming they will cut the hearts out of the Jews and kill them all. A vast supermajority of the actual deaths um, during the attacks on Israel from the Gaza Strip are Hamas operatives. In other words, these are terrorist soldiers intent on penetrating into Israel. And it's not just Israeli intelligence, as you point out, that notes uh, that statistics. Um, quite frankly, it's Hamas leadership is bragging upon it uh, on um, Arabic television stations saying those are our uh, Mujahideen that are dying and we're proud of it. And they are Shaheeds. They're sacrificing themselves for the Palestinian cause. They're not even lying about it. They're bragging about it. I, I really appreciate, by the way, your other point 
who needs security inside of Israel? Uh, Arab neighborhoods don't. Uh, there aren't suicide bombers uh, strapping bombs to their bodies and walking into supermarkets in Arab neighborhoods uh, representing the local Christian community or the uh, synagogue over the hill. But I got news for you. Uh, there are guards around the Christian churches and around the Jewish synagogues because there are other people that are very likely to walk in with a suicide vest to take as many of those infidels uh, to heaven or hell with them. All right, you're in Israel. Now you've got a firsthand look at uh, facts on the ground. Why is it important for Israel and the United States to be close, especially why is it so important, Gina, for America to remain an ally of Israel? Tell us on a political level and maybe a personal level as well. America has to remain a strong ally of Israel for so many reasons, and the, and the most um, the most pertinent one, honestly, is um, a, a religious reason, at least for me. And I know that that you're not supposed to ever say that, but it's true. I mean, it it, it is the um, it's the established uh, doctrinal um, law as God writes it in the Bible. And so to defy that, I think, is uh, really going to reap a lot of havoc. Um, and I don't believe that we will ever because I think it's biblical. I think it's all written and we've seen it uh, play itself out. And I think we're really seeing some amazing biblical times right in this moment. But, um, but also because of the defeat of terror, if the more we tolerate terror in any place, especially in a small country like Israel that really has no way to defend itself if America should turn her back on Israel, um, that would be that would have devastating consequences that would, would reverberate all over the entire continent. And so I think that um, and, and to America as well. And so I think that we really have no choice uh, politically, geopolitically, um, certainly biblically, certainly religiously for pur purposes of religious freedom, for purposes of defeating terror. I think we have absolutely no choice. It's been said that Israel is the canary in the coal mine on the front lines against terror. Talk a little bit about that and, and maybe about the successes of the state of Israel and why that's important. Uh, does it remind you of uh, the United States? Is there some similarity between the two countries? So, so for illustration purposes, I think we have to consider, you know, with the size of Israel, the location of Israel, um, its borders, um, its struggle, its history, we have to consider that really it is the canary in the coal mine regarding our struggle with terror worldwide. And, um, and this is such a historic problem also. Oh, and I know the other thing I wanted to say was that um, I think that you have to consider Israel in so many ways is um, an economic hub. I mean, what they do with such a small population and such a vast uh, GDP comparatively, um, what they do in terms of technology, what they contribute to the world. Um, Israel has done things very much the American way. It's a very different country, but it's done things very much the American way. And our ideals are shared, not just in terms of religion and things like that, but also in terms of business, in terms of free market economics, um, in terms of freedom of religion, um, in terms of uh, governance, even in some ways, um, certainly at least under this administ present administration. And so, um, so I think that it's very important that America maintain um, not just a great relationship with Israel, but also in defense of Israel should should she need us because um, because of that history and because of that likeness to on the world scale. Why 
is it so slanted against Israel as if to demonize Israel no matter what the truth is? What are your thoughts on that? So Mary, I mean, I don't want to put it this way, but I honestly don't know how else to put it. The Democrats have sided with terror in this particular uh, in, in instance. And, and I really feel like, you know, I think this is going to be the demise of the Democrat Party. I truly do. None of the decisions they're making are, are rational at this point. Certainly siding with terror is not rational. Uh, certainly deciding against, uh, I'm sorry, siding against, um, for example, angel moms it, with regard to the MS-13 as they did recently, as Nancy Pelosi very clearly did. Um, certainly siding, um, you know, against life at, at every turn. When you have a lot of pro-life Dixiecrats, a lot of pro-life Democrats in the Rust Belt too, that want to be represented. Um, the fact that Nancy Pelosi and her ilk completely control the money inside of politics is the problem for the Democrats because that doesn't speak to the rank and file Democrats. And um, they're, they're destroying their own party from within. And I hope they kind of stay the course that they're on right now because I think that um, it will mean the total implosion of the Democrat Party. And I don't know what happens next. And we might end up in a three-party system. I could see that happening, which would give Republicans a massive advantage. You know, your comment about Nancy Pelosi uh, is interesting. I'm hearing more and more from pundits in the United States that Nancy Pelosi is the best thing that ever happened to the Republican Party. And if she stays in her position as minority leader wanting to become a speaker again, should the Democrats recover um, a majority in the House of Representatives, uh, that scares a lot of people towards um, the other side of the political fence. We'll see if you're right or not. So going back to Israel, uh, the embassy gets moved. Obviously, there was a ceremony a few weeks ago. Tell me something. Why is it that after voting over and over and over again for the embassy to be placed in Jerusalem, where it belongs, I mean, as you and I both know, uh, Israel is the only country in the world that for some weirdo reason doesn't get to uh, name their own capital and doesn't get to tell other countries where the embassy should go. So the United States finally honors its law in place since 95. Trump makes the decision. Why did not one single Democrat who voted for that law or supported that law since 95 make the trip to Israel? What do you make of that, Dr. G? Well, the answer to that is, is simple, Barry. The, the Democrats couldn't attend uh, the event like the opening of the embassy here exactly. because they don't tolerate dissent in any way, shape, or form. When they talk about tolerance, they're actually the most intolerant. Um, and, and why they, um, they talk about, you know, staying close to the American people and standing up for the little guy. They're not the ones standing up for the little guy. There's no littler guy than Israel. Look where Israel's located geographically. Doesn't exactly take a, 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 rocket, science to a rocket scientist to figure that out. And so uh, they're not standing for the little guy. They're not standing for the victims anymore. Um, they're not standing against terror. They're not standing even up for the American people at this point. Um, and, and I, so I think that they're monolithic groupthink has put them in a place, you know, it, it really is, it's, as a, as, a, as a therapist, you're never supposed to diagnose someone without having a clinical evaluation. Well, let me say, I've clinically evaluated the Trump derangement syndrome 
folks out there, and I can tell you their derangement has gone so far, it has become self-destructive, and, and that's where they are now. So it's, uh, you know, history's gonna tell this story about the greatest president that America's ever had, the one who not only saved America, but quite possibly had a lot of influence in saving uh, countries like Israel who also appreciate their freedom and their religious freedom. Trump derangement syndrome, I totally love it. You know, I've been making comments for um, 18 months now about the Democrat party has become the party of, we hate Trump so much, let me count the ways. Uh, it's shocking how it has become the party of, we hate Trump, don't we? And I wonder what the views of middle America are going to be at the next election when they can choose between Trump and we hate Trump. If that's the choice, it's not going to bode well for their party. I can't believe you're there, I'm here, and you're talking to me from Israel <laughs> with my daughter and our producer on the streets of Tel Aviv. It's such a thrill after all these years to see that you finally made it. You know, we've been through a lot together, and finally, you're in the land of Israel. I'm so glad you made it. Barry, I have to tell you, and I call you B, you call me G, um, I have to tell you, it's just a really big honor um, to be on your show, and it was always an honor to have your friendship and support. Um, and we went through some very interesting, trying times together. We were pulling for this president when it seemed like no one else in the whole world was pulling for this president except you and me, and we're trying to uh, hold each other up in that. And um, I could not be more pleased for you and your success. I miss you dearly, and that is the truth. And I wish you all success. And uh, if it weren't for you, I would not be on this trip. I would not be in this country because you helped me fall in love uh, with Israel. And um, I can't thank you enough for that. Love you, B. Thanks, Dr. G, for those very kind words. It was a real pleasure and an honor to have you here. Uh, it means a lot to me, and uh, I know we're going to do it again. And to you, America, thanks for joining us on The Truth Report. You can always write to me by sending me a note at barry at americantruthproject.org. I promise to get back to you. And if you go to our website, you'll be able to sign up for all of these episodes absolutely for free, and you'll never miss any of them. We also publish quite a bit, and it's always available for free, both on the website and by email. Again, thanks for joining us today. I'm Barry Nussbaum. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.